From the Religion News Service, this is Beliefs, an exploration of ideas behind the news of religion. I'm Bill Baker. The Religion News Service was founded in 1934 as a nonprofit news outlet covering religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics. This past September saw the arrival of a new editor-in-chief, Bob Smetana. Smetana comes to the role after over two decades as an award-winning journalist for On Faith, USA Today, and The Washington Post. I sat with Bob for a conversation regarding the history and future of religion reporting in America and why religion journalism matters now. Bob, how did you get started in this religion journalism world? So there's two answers to that. One is I was a religion major in college, and I was that. Actually, I was going to be a pre-med major. I went to my first religion class 8 o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning, the first quarter of school, and was so intrigued by the class that I became a religion major. Mm-hmm. Much probably to the chagrin of my father, who wondered what I would do with that. Uh, wrote for our college newspaper, and then I did uh, nonprofit work for a long time. Then in my 30s, I went back to school. I wanted to write, uh, wanted to write about religion, and so I went back, did some freelancing, got a master's in writing, and landed a job at a little tiny magazine, uh, but also did a lot of freelancing for wire services and sort of built from there. So it's kind of a something I always wanted to do, and then there's a little serendipity that I finished my master's degree right when this uh, magazine had an opening for an associate editor. So I landed there uh, and kind of took off from there. Are there many people doing religion writing anymore? It seems like there used to be a lot, and now I wonder how many there are really left. Well, there are, uh, there are more than you might think. There are fewer at uh, newspapers, for sure, uh, especially regional and local newspapers. We used to, for example, I'm the, a member of the Religion News Association, which is a journalism association for reporters. We used to have uh, categories for very small newspapers, kind of local. My hometown newspaper, the Sun Chronicle of Adderall, Massachusetts, which is a, a town with 30,000, 40,000 people, they had a religion writer. Mm. That's probably not the case anymore. That category has been melded with other ones. But we have a lot of, um, especially young religion reporters right now, there are a lot of 20 and 30-year-olds writing at places like The Post or The Times or for sojourners or for new websites that we've never heard of before. So we've had this kind of explosion of digital journalism and a lot of young reporters wanting to get into religion writing. How has religion writing changed over the years in America? Oh, it's changed a ton. So actually, religion news service used to be the religious news service. We used to call it religious news. And uh, it's kind of gone back and forth. There were, so you, and that actually there, there are press associations for religious press, who so used to be quite big. Um, the Associated Church Press is one of them, the Evangelical Press. So the president, uh, I think it's President Truman, one of the early presidents met with the editors of the Associated Church Press back in the day. So that used to be a major thing. So so the religious journals have sort of dropped, and now some of the religious journals have become a little more promotional. Uh, but uh, it's ebbed and flows. I, I was reading some history of our association the other day for a project, and uh, in the 70s, there were about 70 members, and people wondered if it was going to survive, and then it blew up to several hundred members. And we've got, uh, I'm not exactly sure, maybe we have several hundred members of our association now. Uh, so it's ebbed and flowed. 
What is the Religion News Service? What do you do exactly? So we are a, uh, a non-sectarian uh, religion journalism site that was started in the 30s. It was started in the 30s because at the time, there, most of the religion reporting wasn't great. In fact, it was, and there was a lot of it was very anti-Semitic. Uh, so there wasn't good religion reporting, good non-unbiased religion reporting. And, and people, when they reported on religion, they either did spectacular things or they did sort of puff pieces. There weren't people doing good, solid reporting that made interesting topics or made important topics interesting. So, or they, so they either didn't cover important topics or they covered them poorly. So uh, it started then. It is uh, gone through. It was for profit for a while, and then non profit. Now we're non profit again. Uh, but we are a non sectarian uh, religion journalism site. We try to we talk about matters of faith, belief, uh, and we are we are really we're a little bit like the Associated Press of religion is what we've been called in the past. A lot of people pick up our coverage, um, but we are a religion site that does great religion reporting, and treats everyone the same. Religion is a complex subject. How does one cover it? There's theology, there are the politics of religion, there are uh, individual, many hundreds of faiths. Where do you start, or where do you, where do you go really deep, or do you do you bounce along the surface? It's where where is it? We, we try to go deep. RNS has really been that's kind of our calling card is going deep and understanding. Um, the great part about religion reporting is it's all those things that you just talked about. There is it really runs from birth to death, and actually before you're born religion is concerned about and after you die mm-hmm. and every part of life from what you eat and what you wear to how you bury your dead to what kind of public policy we should have to who you can marry all these things are uh, to how we should treat our neighbors to what our public policy on immigration should be that's all part of the mix so we start by I mean obviously we look at places where religion uh, impacts kind of day-to-day life if it's the daily life of people, the daily life of the nation, uh, you're always looking for interesting and in, in, uh, different kinds of things. And then you're trying to um, get as many different kinds of religious voices. Um, you know, we got to cover the major religious groups in America. We have to cover Catholics well. We have to cover Protestants well. We have to cover Jews and Muslims well. Uh, both, we have to cover sort of non-believers well these days. But then, we, then every one of those groups has subcategories. One, one of the things about religion is that, and you talked really about the serious parts of religion, but religion goes from, in many respects, the silly to the very serious. Uh, and, you know, how on that, continu- on that continuum, where do you try to fit in? Or do you not hesitate to cover some of the crazy aspects of, the re- of religious life in America? So this, that's an interesting, crazy is an interesting word. So... Um, Every religious group to its participants and its practitioners looks normal. To outsiders, it looks crazy. If I say to you that we follow a man who walked on water and rose rose from the dead, you might be a little suspicious. If I say someone was under a tree and became enlightened, you might be suspicious. If I say someone got talked to by an angel in a cave and I'm basing my life on that revelation, you might look, in other circumstances, you look suspicious. For people in that tradition, it's perfectly normal. Um, I'll tell you about the best story I've ever covered. Actually, 
two several different covers. One one thing about extreme religious groups or unusual religious groups is they get they reveal a lot of things. So I did a couple stories I'll tell you about very briefly. One uh, which had the greatest title ever, headline, Apocalypse Meow. This was about a group of Pentecostals who had become convinced that their pastor was the new Messiah and their pastor had started mixing religion with um, Egyptian beliefs and began worshiping their cats because their cats were going to save them at the end of the apocalypse. And they ran a cat rescue here in town. Mm. And actually the, the, the pastor had become fairly abusive to her folks. So it started out as a you know, normal like cat rescue place. But what was interesting about that is you could look at one, unusual beliefs. What does it mean? And two, how do people end up believing things that seem unusual? Well, they usually don't start you know, the, a new believe a new group doesn't start out and say you should worship me as your messiah. They start they have relationships with people and they have friendships with people. And then the person asks for a little bit more, a little bit more, and then by the time you are far enough down the road, you'll you it's, you're too far in to let go. Right? And then I've also covered Pentecostal snake handlers, which are really interesting. Uh, but that is like really raw religion. It's based for the, there's a uh, uh, passage in the book of Mark about picking up serpents and drinking poison. And they believe those are the evidence today. But but they push the question of religious liberty. Should you be able to handle serpents because in, in the state of Tennessee, you can't own a rattlesnake, but they need a rattlesnake for their worship service. So is that uh, allowed? And what are the rules for that? And what are the boundaries of acceptable religion versus non-acceptable religion? Um, but we do silly. We do stories that make you smile. I did a story, which is actually a very serious story, but very kind of um, kind of off the beaten trail. There's a guy who, a Russian Pentecostal man, who kept getting 666 everywhere on his badge, on his paycheck. He quit his job over, over this because he thought it was a sign of the devil. Now, there's a little, there's a little bit of um, you know, humor in that. There's a little bit of uh, kind of weird factor in that. But then it was also like, here's someone took this belief so seriously that they... Uh, that they quit their job. So it's, it, you can get both of those things. I mean, religion is funny sometimes, and it's sad, and it's uh, very uplifting, and it makes you angry. It does all those things, and that's what's great about it. Religion these days has had a lot of, uh, a lot of questions around it because there have been issues of abuse of all faiths, mm -hmm. not only Catholic, but many of the religions in America. And some some bad behavior of individuals who are leaders of religious groups. How do you handle those difficult subjects? So there's a couple angles of that. First, you do a lot of reporting because uh, you know you're talking about very serious topics. You want to make sure you get it right. You're talking about uh, people who have a lot of influence. You want to make sure you get it right. When you're so, a friend of mine once described it to me this way. When you're writing about religion, it's right, writing about somebody's kids or their family. It's very sensitive. You have to be careful. Uh, and these often are powerful religious figures. You have to hold them to account as well. Religion goes very deep. Faith and beliefs go very deep. Um, people don't like it when you start trampling around and looking under the, under the rug in their category. How do you how do you protect yourself from that, but yet still get the true story when people are trying to protect themselves? Yes. 
Yeah, people are trying to protect themselves. In a lot of journalism, if I want to know what the federal government is spending on something, I just I can uh, file a Freedom of Information Act and get a lot of material. This stuff is mostly that you can't get Freedom of Information Act or FOIA, they call it. You can't FOIA a church. Mm-hmm. So you have to have voluntary stuff. I think you just keep reporting on it. You talk to people. You say, here's the facts that we know. You make sure that you... But what you don't do is mock people. You don't say, oh, look at this dumb thing that they believe. You say, this is what they say believe. You use their own words. You have them talk about it and what it means. For example, God told me to do that. Well, then you say, how did God tell you to do that? How do you know it was God talking? How do you know it was God and not yourself? Because that's what, for example, a minister has to, his, his or her job is to interpret God's will for their congregation. Well, that's a big task, right? How do they know what is their will? How do they know what's God's will? A lot of these, a lot of religious groups have uh, formulas and teaching to kind of keep people within boundaries. And so you talk to them. And you say, well, when they use religious language, say, God told me. Okay, how did God tell you? How did you know that it was God and not you? How do you know that this is the right thing to do and not the right thing to do? And you just you treat people seriously. And treating people seriously means writing about the good things they do and the bad things they do. Bob, tell us about the changes now in religious reporting and what in 2018 and 2019 and 2020 are are going to be the big subjects that you have to cover as as the panoply of religious territory changes. So a few things. Obviously, we're going to cover religion, the election. We're going to cover where the Catholic Church is heading uh, and the current scandal. But we're also looking at the bigger picture. So America is changing. It's becoming more demographically diverse. The economy is changing. Our views on social issues are changing. Our political views are changing. Our technology is changing, and that's affecting us. It's, it, it's like the whole country's been thrown into a blender, and we're going to see what's going to come out, right? We don't know. And religion's going through the same things. Old institutions are dying off. New ones are being born. New leaders are coming up, uh, much more diverse. Folks who never got a chance to speak are now having a chance to speak. And, and sometimes they're talking about old grievances. So the whole religious landscape's being rewritten before our eyes. And so we're going to try and cover that religious change. We're trying to cover uh, Hispanic religion. It's a, a, a topic that's almost completely not covered. We don't know what Hispanic Catholics are doing. We don't know what Hispanic Pentecostals are doing, or Hispanic Protestants, or Hispanic non-believers. We don't often cover the black church. We don't cover Pentecostals in general. We don't cover Asian American religion. We don't cover Muslims as much. Just the regular. So when we're covering Islam, it's also often so much about politics. We don't just cover the day-to-day life of American Muslims or American Jews. So we're gonna we're covering this kind of transformed religious landscape. What's it going to look like in the future, and how are religious institutions and religious congregations and religious individuals going to handle this transformation of society? Will it change what they believe? Will they cling to what they believe? Uh, where are the conflicts, and how are they going to work through these generational changes? Is religion becoming even more important as a subject to cover? It seems like in a society as politically stressed and as polarized as the American society is today, that religion may actually have a bigger role, it has a significant role, but may have even a bigger role in the future. I, I think so. I mean, I think religion is the most important beat in, in the news business. 
the most interesting beat, uh, the most influential beat. Uh, so religion and American culture had a pretty good relationship. You know, there are tax benefits for religious groups. There are religious uh, charities that do a lot of work. Uh, the biggest part of the philanthropic world is religious giving. Um, there are religious hospitals. Uh, we had, uh, when religion had a more prominent place, um, there was a lot of deference given to religion. Now we have to share. So it's a bigger story because um, religious groups are having to redefine uh, their role in the culture. And so when that's redefined, people are going to fight harder for what they think are, is right. So we're having discussions we never had before. Uh, you know, we've had these discussions about the what um, are the relationships between religious groups and people who are LGBT. What are we've had these big lawsuits over contraception. Um, we're going to have lawsuits over uh, same-sex marriage. We're going to have lawsuits over. Um, the role of religious teaching in medical, you know, Catholic hospitals are growing part of the, the, um, the landscape. So when my, so I'll give a personal example. When my daughter was, my youngest daughter was born, our midwife, she moved from a women's hospital in, or the hospital in Evanston, Illinois, where we lived at the time, to uh, a Catholic hospital in Evanston. And we wanted to have her, but it means my wife wanted to get her tubes tied, and she couldn't at the Catholic hospital. She could have at the other hospital. So we just thought, oh, okay, well, it's inconvenient, but but that, it's Catholic hospital. Well, I think now people would say, well, why do I have to make that choice? Why do I have to, why is the Catholic hospital's teaching influencing my health care? That's a question we weren't asking, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But we're going to be asking now. And so it becomes the uh, a source of more conflict. And we don't know the answers to some of these questions. You've talked about some of the big issues. Yeah. And obviously, the Religion News Service does a lot with those tied to our whole country and our society and culture. But there are, of course, little unusual issues mm -hmm. as you drill down into the myriad of religions in this country. Do you have the ability to cover all of this stuff, or how do you make those choices editorially? So, oh, that's a great question. We try and we're trying to do both. We're trying to cover the big picture and the small picture at the same time as much as we can. So we we actually um, we are lucky and we have a lot of uh, freelance reporters who want to write for us, a lot of religion reporters. So we can get with our staff, we can focus on the big picture. With our freelancers, we can focus on the little picture. But a little story can be important. You just got to find the right thing. So And everything can be important. So I'll, I'll give you an example. So one of the biggest stories I've ever covered was a zoning story over the construction of a new mosque here in Tennessee, uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It got national coverage. We had people in the streets. It's a zoning story, right? Over And Muslims are still a small part of American uh, culture uh, in terms of the population. But it was a huge story because folks didn't want this mosque being built, and it's part of big cultural change. So you can often... You know, you use the particular situation to tell the universal, and then you use the universal to, to see how it affects the particular. So we're trying to do both. But editorially, there are more religion stories that we could ever publish. And pretty much every week there are as many. So we are trying to find, um, make sure we're keeping an eye on the big picture and then not missing small stories. Well, Bob, over the months and years ahead, we're going to be counting on your steady editorial hand to guide us through this complex uh, maze of faith and faith decisions and uh, theological decisions that 
we will all be facing and our society will be facing. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It was great. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Beliefs from the Religion News Service. Our guest was Bob Smetana, Editor-in-Chief of the Religion News Service. Coming up on Beliefs, a conversation with Academy Award-winning filmmaker Tom Lennon. Lennon's most recent project, Sacred, is a major new documentary film that draws on the work of filmmakers around the world. Explore religious experiences and rituals as they relate to the life cycle, birth, adolescence, marriage, old age, death, and other key passages of life. It premieres December 10th on PBS. Check your local listings. Beliefs is a co-production of the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University and the Religion News Service. Jonathan Woodward is our producer. The theme music is by Edward Billis. You can find more episodes of this podcast at religionnews.com. I'm Bill Baker. Thanks for listening.